This is Hitting the Mark, conversations with founders and investors about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success, with your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Garhalter. that we were going to be more than cauliflower and um and and remember now when we started cauliflower was not cool and so we we started as veggie sandwich thins because the cauliflower craze had not hit yet so we were the first to market with cauliflower but we knew that we did not want to limit ourselves to one kind of vegetable so then our competitors came out and we were we were criticized for that um, early on, <laughs> very interesting, and then applauded for it two years later. <laughs> Sean David and Vasa Martinez, the founder and the CMO at Outer Isle, respectively. With Outer Isle, Sean literally invented the cauliflower carp swap category that's so popular now. Her innovation combined with Vasa's knack for community building and trend setting has led the brand to accomplish a major milestone, becoming the fastest growing food company in California on the Inc. 5000. And Sean successfully employed her entire family, which is now a big part of their company culture. Lots to look forward to, but first I want to thank Kel Ihe and Ash Barber for supporting the show by becoming members of the Creative Entrepreneurship Circle. They are joining a small group of creatives from around the world, which I mentor on monthly calls on all topics relating to brand strategy and thriving in the business of branding. This is only one way to give back and help keep this show advertising free. To see all the ways you can support the only brand podcast of its kind, please head on over to patreon.com slash hitting the mark. Now on to the founder and the CMO of Outer Isle. Welcome to the show, Sean and Vasa. Thanks for having us. I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a pleasure to have both of you here. So, so Sean, first, congratulations. Um, Outer Isle ranked 63, I think, on the overall Inc. 5000 list. And it is the second yeah. fastest growing privately held food company in all of America with a two-year revenue growth of, I don't know, like close to 2,000%. So, Amazing success. Congrats on that. Love having you here um, because of that. But let's hit rewind here for a second because you have a fascinating story. You quit your position as an executive director of the Arthritis Foundation when you were around 50. Not, you know, not to put an age on anyone, but, you know, <laughs> that, was, that was about the year. Yeah. And, and, you wanted, yeah. and, and you wanted to do something both impactful and meaningful um, after the tenure. And now fast forward to 2020. Um, and I see an article in Inc. Magazine with the fantastic headline, The Matriarch, <laughs> hovering <laughs> above a large portrait of you. So you successfully employed your entire family at this point, from your husband to all four of your sons, um, with a brand that creates cauliflower bread. How did this come yeah. about? Give us, give us a quick history here before we jump in. Uh yeah, it, it really is interesting. So not that I wasn't, obviously before 50, not that I wasn't doing anything meaningful. So, you know, I mean, right. my tenure at the Arthritis Foundation was very meaningful. I was, I was helping people and changing lives through what we do and, and really impactful. It's just that 
um, all of my life before that, my career had been, you know, taking a job and keeping a job because I had to raise four kids and put them through college. So I had to be contributing in that manner. So, so I, I had never had the luxury of sitting down and figuring out what I wanted to do. And so I just knew after Arthritis Foundation, it was time, it was time for something new. I had been there six years. I had, I had done what they hired me to do. Um, it was a part of a whole change in the Southern California and um, region. And, and I was part of that team. And um, it was very powerful what we did and, and in those six years. And so, so I, I hit 50 and I just was like, what, what do I want my ne next career to look like? And, and I was given the extreme luxury um, by my husband by saying, you know what, I really want you to take your time. Our boys were all in their 20s and I didn't need to be so busy earning a salary for the first time, you know, because yeah. everybody was out of college and we didn't, we weren't uh, actively funding them at that point. So it was, it was very much of a gift. And he was like, really take your time and just figure out what the best fit is for you. So I was working with a headhunter who was looked at me one day and said, if you could have any job you wanted in the whole world, what would it be? And I could not believe how paralyzing that was to me. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I said, I have no idea. And he goes, well, I'm not going to work with you until you answer that question, <laughs> you know? And he said, it's a really important question. And, and it was very interesting. It really kind of just started me on really thinking about those things. So I was really trying to take a job that, um, or, or I, I actually was an, an, an a natural born entrepreneur, but I was really looking at, you know, the kind of, I had hung that hat up a few years ago and said, it's okay working, you know, for a company is great. So, um, so anyway, I, I really just was looking at what am I, what gifts do I have uniquely that I only, you know, that kind of from the premise of we're all created very uniquely mm -hmm. and um, we each have gifts and talents that that we bring to the world and and when we focus on what those unique gifts and talents are we're the best the people around us are the best and the world is a better place right because we're bringing what i believe we were all uniquely created to do and and bring to this world so so that's really the journey that began and um and then it came out of our own journey of transforming our health by taking out all um basically all of the empty processed carbs and sugar out of our diet, which totally transformed our health and being committed to that lifestyle. So it's a bit of a long journey and I don't want to get bogged down in that, but that's how um, I then um, uh, call for our pizza crisp is being seen on Pinterest to give you the idea of where we were. <laughs> Facebook and um, Instagram were not a big thing. Yeah. Pinterest was at the moment. And um, cauliflower pizza crust was there. And so we had taken bread out of our diet. Certainly we're not eating pizza, no pasta, none of, none of the empty um, high carb foods. And so we had really shifted to veggies to, to substitute for those high carb foods. So I saw cauliflower pizza crust. I was like, wow, if I could get this, that would be amazing. But if I could get it in bread form, that would be even more impactful hmm. because it's quite cumbersome to eat just 
a little bit of protein and, and vegetables and um, we were eating a little bit of fruit, not much at all. So our, our day consisted of fruits and I mean, vegetables and protein. So yeah. that was a bit cumbersome. And um, so it was really out of our own need and what we believed would be the wave of the future because of diabetes and everything else that was becoming very preeminent and inflammation, inflammation-based diseases. And again, it kind of gets, I can get very deep on all of those things. So I, I don't want to get into those uh, into the weeds right now, but that's, it was our own journey that basically created the product line. And then, um, I, I naturally thought, you know, within, within a week I had the whole product line in my head and I couldn't turn it off. And, Hmm. um, my, the, our youngest son said, come on, let's bring this to market. I was like, no, 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 I am not (laughs) bringing product to market. No, I'm not going to do it. And at the end of the week, um, I kind of relented and, because I knew it was, it was, I believe that it was such a great product that had the ability to transform health um, and, and create this shift out there, which I, I believed is pretty basic to our health and to the diet that we find ourselves in today as Americans. So, um, so anyway, we decided to do it and make it a family project. Um, I often talk about it. The file is still called family project on my computer. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's a bigger family we, we now. Like it, yeah. It, we felt like it was a, a great thing to bring our kids who are now in their twenties while they watched me do different businesses when they were small at this age, they could see what it took to bring a product from concept to market. And we felt that that was a valuable education for them to all be involved in. So we set up Thursday conference calls every Thursday and we'd all weigh in. And um, so 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 anyway, that's that's the family part of it. We gave them each a little bit of interest in it. And um, the youngest joined us in operations once we got our first region of Whole Foods. He He was in his career path. All of them were in their career path. So we never intended for it for them to come work for the company full time. We really were big into independent and them being independent and finding their own way in their 20s, which I think is pretty critical. So um, it, it's just now that they found their own way, a few of them have wanted to join in, which is, and they all play a role. Um, two of them actually work for the company, uh, a third one does all of our commercial insurance and he's, he's been involved in our insurance from day one as a risk manager. And now he actually um, underwrites it all and oversees it all. And um, that's huge. So he doesn't actually work for the company, but that's the component he handles. And then um, we have another son who's an M&A uh, and he just helps advise us and is actively involved on the finance component. So, That's so great. That's um, so wonderful. So, yeah. so you're growing a brand based on six family members. How do you hire? How do you, how do you create a company culture that others feel invited to? This, this must be quite challenging, right? Especially for the first couple of hires when you did those. Um, and I ask this because I feel brand and culture are always so very related and they really go hand in hand. Y- yeah, I, I would say, and Vasa, Vasa will have some input on this because He's known us from the beginning. So, you know, we're a family. And so that kind of lends itself to a culture, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because your employees, 
really we do we do love family and we do encourage family we constantly see that it's you know i talk with our employees every day we do gratitudes every day i pop in their office and and we really do see it very much as a family it it has that feel so um vasa can you so so I would say that's very much part of our DNA and then it also lent itself to the brand and the love and the kindness and and building upon that but Fasa I'd love your input here as well cuz as someone coming into that Vasa can confirm or deny this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so as it pertains to um hiring and and culture um the, the family thing is more of a, a positive than a negative. It's more inclusive um, than exclusive. There's no sort of like rites of passage or or any sort of things where, you know, I'm the youngest of, of eight. And when, when I came in, um, there was a clear and there's a clear warmth um, and it was much different. And as, as we've seen the growth over the past two and a half years, that warmth has remained. It, it's, it's not as though, you know, when, when you grow, culture is one of the things that's probably the first to kind of uh, dissipate. Um, it's not one of the things without our aisle. And that's why I think that uh, family is a huge component of, of like the branding, the hiring process. Um, it, I mean, when you're, when you're hired, you're, you're, you're kind of like, um, it, it feels as though, uh, you know, part when of we're the family. Yeah. Like when we were all children, we went over to our friends' houses um, after school. It's just, it kind of feels like that, but with a very intentional way of going about business everyone's there for a reason to you know to play their part to do the best they can to be the best they can be as an individual and for a team and for me that's one of the biggest things that uh has has strengthened and been the backbone of outer isle is that the family is it, it is the heart it, it's everything I think that's super interesting because it could go both ways, um, and uh, and and this is it. It makes so much sense um, that a, that if a brand is grown that way, that 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 will be one of the big pillars behind behind the brand uh, culture. It makes a lot of sense. So your brand is is grown and made in Santa Barbara. I know that that's 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 mm -hmm. where you reside, um, but that adds a tremendous layer not only of authenticity and of beauty to your brand story. But it's also a layer of complexity, right? Like, is that sustainable as, as you grow? Um, yeah, we've, we've fought hard to stay here and remain here. I mean, and, and in the in, when it came time to build out our facility, we looked elsewhere and um, for a lot of the reasons people do. And then we said, we love Santa Barbara. This is where we live. Why would we choose to leave where we love to live <laughs> to go work, you know? And so we said, nope, we're just going to, we're going to do what it takes to, you know, spend the expense it, it is because that's what it is. It just right, costs right. more to do business here and that, that that was worth it as opposed to, to moving to Nevada, let's say, right, to, right. because of the, the employee pool, the, the real estate there, the amount of big buildings you can find there. And so we've been very fortunate. We found a great, you know, a great uh, manufacturing facility in Ventura. So we, our first facility was in Goleta, right outside of Santa yep. Barbara North. And then we went South this time because um, Santa Barbara certainly doesn't have the kind of space we need. So we're, we're just 20 minutes outside. Right, right, way. right. 
Right. And I mean, for those of us like like myself, um, you know, who, who know the area very well, it is definitely it, it is it is the green zone. I mean, this is really where farming happens. And it's just a little bit south of mm-hmm. Santa Barbara. And as a, as a consumer, if I see Santa Barbara or if I see even Ventura on, on, on a packaging, it, it you know, it, it, it rings true. Right. It, it, it feels very authentic um, rather than. If, right. You know, it evokes a certain and Santa Barbara, especially it, it evokes a certain um amount of health and vitality yeah yeah so oh, um so yeah definitely how, how did how did the name outer isle come about i'm super intrigued by that yeah so so the name outer isle is a really unique thing um we we kept trying to my husband's an attorney so he was definitely set on making sure that whatever the name we chose for this company was trademarkable so he, so we had all kind of names. Everything in the food space is really taken. We're not a tech company and we can call ourselves Zulu or Hulu or, you know, something right, like right, that. Right, right. So you, re- you really have to be kind of conscious and meaningful in the food space. So, so um, we were at deadline. We had set a hard deadline for a final, were, uh, a final confirmation on our names. Most everything we chose had been already trademarked. And this one, popped in um, at deadline that day. We <laughs> ran it through the USPTO and it had not been trademarked. We were able to grab it. And and as many people know, um, at that time, it was just beginning to be out there that, you know, if you're shopping healthy, shop the outer aisle of the grocery store. <laughs> so it was, it was becoming known but it we had to explain it a lot in the beginning of our name but that was the the evocement or the evoke the evocement that we wanted to have with the name we wanted it to evoke a healthy healthy thought in your mind and so the outer aisle when you shop the outer aisle of the grocery store you're you're shopping the healthy the healthy product well so it, it, for it, us that's that's what it was. Yeah, it sets you up for world domination too, because you can basically take the entire outer aisle of the grocery right. store in the future. <laughs> this is all you. Right. Um. Exactly. Oh well, and that's critical. That's a critical thing. Yeah. We we knew that we were going to be more than cauliflower, and um and and remember now when we started, cauliflower was not cool, and so we. We started as veggie sandwich thins because the cauliflower craze had not hit yet. Mm. So we were the first to market with cauliflower, but we knew that we did not want to limit ourselves to one kind of vegetable. Which is so smart. So then our competitors came out and we were were criticized for that um, early on. (laughs) Very interesting. And then applauded for it two years later <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it works so, that's how it works yeah i, I yeah, always exactly right. I, I always advise my startup clients to not pigeonhole themselves because either they will pivot meaning they had a bad idea and it's going to change but they're still running with the company name or they will expand into different categories and they just don't know so if you have a super descriptive name right. it's 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 just not made for growth um and you don't want to exclude well, that and- yeah, and for us, we knew we were going to expand beyond cauliflower. Right. And so so when our competitors hit market and were branding themselves specifically cauliflower, you know, and cauliflower, you know, to cauliflower, 
so we were criticized by, you know, a broker that was like, wow, you didn't, you didn't name yours. Like people don't know immediately by your name, you know, and then, then go forward two more years. You're like, wow, you were bright not to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So it was kind of funny, but we knew all along that our long, what our long play is. And um, so, yeah. And your positioning yeah. currently is very much to revolutionize the bread industry. How how did this yeah. idea come to fruition in store? Talking about outer aisle, right? I mean, can you find your product next to fresh loaves of baguette, say, or is it is it in a very different area? Well, it's interesting. So what we're seeing out there in the market, um, and what was happening when we came in for these brands, right? It, it's all about um, disrupting the old distribution channel that has our product full of so much, you know, chemicals and crap that we're, yeah. we really want to revolutionize, you know, food and you're watching that. So, so on the, so what's happening as we look at bread, the bread aisle is shrinking and the ambient bread aisle is shrinking. And what, what we're seeing is a refrigerated set that is beginning to come into place. So there's mm-hmm. a gluten free, like if you walk into Sprouts today, there's a gluten free um, bread set that's, that's a coffer that has just refrigerated breads in it. In Whole Foods, there's a whole um, case that is the gluten-free breads or the better-for-you breads. And so that's the trend we, we began ushering in because we were the first to market. We were the first in our category. So um, I was working with the Whole Foods Forager to talk about where are you going to go? And we really wanted to be in the outer aisle. <laughs> we did not want to be in the bread aisle ever. You know, we had an, we, we would never have an ambient product. We wanted to be refrigerated on the outside of the, of the perimeter of the store. So, um, yeah, so that fit. And that's what, what they were beginning to do. And that we began seeing that happen. So, um, yeah. yeah. No, makes makes a lot of sense, and and I just I just talked uh, recently um, to Cole of of Alpha Foods in, a, in in an episode, and he told me about the growth of his company, um, you know, during this pandemic. Um, since people are now growing old of eating the same old food at home, day in day out, and they're looking for fast, easy, and hopefully at this point in the pandemic also healthy alternatives. Did your brand experience the same upswing during the last couple of months? Yeah, I would say um, we did. We already had a huge online component, and Vasa can probably speak more to this because this is really he manages that. That's that's his wheelhouse. So, Vasa, you want to take this? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, early on in, during the pandemic, um, you know, we saw definitely a huge upswing both on uh, Amazon and dot com. Uh, and as as this progressed, you see more and more people uh, preparing for um, e-commerce. A lot of folks who were more retail driven have pivoted and started building out their internal teams or, or working externally with um, agencies or, or consultants to to build out that platform. So it, it has gotten more competitive, um, you know, over the past few months. But there was an upswing early on, and we've been able to sustain that and you know work on our retention efforts to keep things. Keep things going smoothly, um, but there sure was uh, an uptick early on, uh, particularly for um, I'm sure uh, the the shelf stable um, pantry items. But for us, we definitely saw one as well, being a, a perishable uh, refrigerated and frozen item. 
and while I, while I, well, this is going to be a good conversation for actually both um, Sean and, and, and Vasa. Um, when, when did you start to actively invest in branding? Um, since packaging is key for a product like yours, right? I mean, first it's packaging. People must fall in love with the package. Um, and then later on, it goes into, you know, Instagram, social, you know, e-commerce, all of that. But um, for, for a brand like yours, the package is so important. Did you go through a lot of iterations in the beginning? Was it literally, you know, like, was it was it just created by the family? You know, it's like, how, how did you how did you start <laughs> off? How did it how did it evolve? In in the beginning, it really, I, I look back and I cringe at <laughs> what we had um, on, on the shelf before Vasa came on. Um, we, you know, we did hire a graphic designer early on and, you know, thought it was, thought it was good at the time. And obviously we thought it was good because we went to market with it. Yeah. So, um, but, but right around the, that time, five years ago, I would say was the beginning five, yeah, about five years ago was really this explosion in food and brands. And um, you began to see really a lot of, a lot of morph in, in branding. So um, we went through, when Vasa joined us, I would say that was kind of the beginning of our branding. And we did a hard rebrand launched that um he joined us in april of 2018 that year we did we began a brand a new branding and then launched it at store in by march of 2019 but i would say all of the end of 2018 was when we were working on it so very recently yes yes and you know, copy is also extremely important for, for for a brand. And your copy is wonderfully crafted. Um, just to give my listeners a quick taste, no pun. Um, we're we're officially over bread, but we're definitely not over pizza, sandwiches, hamburgers, and tacos. We're out of aisle. We're going beyond the grain. Who's coming with us? So you know, like when and how did you define the brand personality and the t tone of voice? Obviously, I know how. I know when now, right? Because I was just uh, two years ago um but but you right. know how did you actually define that personality and the tone of voice um be, you know as you started going into the different social channels um social being extremely important to a brand right now um you know especially you given your instagram following how was that how was that determined is that something that when when vasa came in he was like this is this is our brand personality and it was a team exercise or was it more intrinsic I think um, I'll answer a little bit and then I'll hand it off to Vasa to finish my sentences. But um, I would say part of it is who we are, who we want to be. We want to be family. We want to be approachable. We wanted to be fun. Um, you know, so you go through all of those exercises, but it very much was our values or authenticity. And, and so it was very much in line with our values. We wanted to always be transparent. Our ingredient list is clean. It's very transparent. So, you know, we wanted to be a little tongue in cheek, approachable, never, never elite or proud or, Basa, you can, you can speak a little bit better to that. And it was a process we went through, but it, it was very much organically developed. Basa? Yeah. Um, so, uh, the back half of 2018, we we had uh, engaged with a couple of resources to 
basically bring the the new visual and voice elements to the brand. Um, during that time, I was still mainly focused on uh, organic and paid social, um, but from a, a very high level, we we wanted to make sure that um, you know things were very authentic and and re uh, relatable. And as long as like the North Star for Outer Isle is as long as it feels as though Jean would say it <laughs> for me at least. Um, it makes sense. And, and, and going back a little bit deeper on this, um, you know, for me, branding isn't necessarily what's on the package. Um, prior to the, 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 the rebrand or refresh, um, you know, the, the, the package was, was nothing to write home about, but it, it still did its job. Um, because for me, what branding is, is really reputation. And, and what that means is, you know, the integrity, the ethics, the transparency, the relatability, all of these things add up to that. And, and the, the, you know, the brand, the packaging is just more like a business card. Um, and at least in my opinion, and with all of those things that we addressed early on with organic social and how we treated customers every time they reached out that one-to-one -one relationship, every single time they asked a question where they could buy, um, you know, how do I, how do I get this crispy, um, whether it's email or comments on organic or paid, uh, anything like that. I think that's what really defined it. And that reputation has sustained us along the way. Um, the package has improved and it will continue to evolve. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's the personality and the heart of the brand, which is that family element to me. That's um, that, that really is the branding. Makes a lot of sense. And what, what does, what does branding mean to you, Sean? I mean, you've been, <laughs> you've been through, through a lot with this brand. Now that, now that you've, you've done all of this, what, what, what is the essence of a brand to you? What is, what does branding mean to you? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's truly the essence of who we are. So our packaging just, just displays what we stand for. Like uh, it's, we're beginning to now be able to truly differentiate ourselves as a lot of brands come out and while they have cauliflower in their ingredient list, it's, it's dried cauliflower. So from the beginning, our brand would always be fresh vegetables. We would never do dehydrated, ground into a flour kind of vegetables to just make it feel, you know, make it feel like we were, you were getting vegetables in. It was a very specific thing we were doing. And, and that was so key to get across to our customers that they knew they were actually getting a product made with fresh vegetables, mm -hmm. which has a whole different impact in, in, in your system and in your body. So, so always from the beginning of that going, wow, you're getting a really great quality clean label, you know, product that you would be happy to feed your family, that you would be so proud to be eating. I mean, we, we wanted this product because we wanted to buy it ourselves and there was nothing on the market, any, anything like it on the market. And we knew like, we don't want words you can't pronounce in our products. We, we eat very clean. We, you know, and it's really usually just one ingredient. Um, and if we if we eat something that's already made, then we we want to be able to know what every single ingredient in that product is and and not have anything else in it. So we just felt like that was that was the revolution we really wanted to be a part of. And and so that was the brand represents that. Right. It, it represents it represents that authenticity and that transparency and. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, and it's fun and it's lively. We're a lively bunch. Um, Vasa can attest to that. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, I think it really, we just really continue to stay true to who we are and make sure that we, that, that the brand was truly representative of who we are. Yeah. And looking looking back, um, when when was that moment where you felt like it your your product could turn into a brand, right? Like where in the beginning you you, you know obviously you launched the product, um, you know, and and you were just hoping for the best. But what was that moment? And and that might be linked to sales figures, maybe not. But when was that moment where you just came home and you said, you know what? I think we're turning into a brand. I think this is it. We just, you know, like we just made it to that point. Yeah, I, I would say um, as Vasa joined us and really began um, April of 2018, a lot of things began to really change. Um, I describe it as it was like gasoline on a fire. Um, in 2018, we grew 25% month over month. And, and so, so that means the product began, our velocities at shelf were really, really high. So that meant that the consumer was really loving what we were doing. So I would say Vasa, that to me, that's when we're like, okay, we've got, you know, we've got market acceptance, we've got concept acceptance. Because again, we were the first one to market, the, so nobody was eating cauliflower bread, and it was even too offensive to call it cauliflower bread in the <laughs> in the beginning. So, um, so to really know that the wave was and the trend that we were really hoping to set was set, and then and then I would say the branding along with that. Um, uh, was really the moment. Thus, would you agree? Yeah, um, April. So when I came on, I came on board the end of April, early May. We started doing a, uh, you know, our first, our first posting, um, and it's not very often you immediately see traction. Mm -hmm. And during that time, yeah, you know, IG was a little bit different. Um, you know, Facebook was a bit different. You know, there were certain conditions that were maybe more favorable favorable then than now, but. Either way, the traction was something where I was like, whoa, uh, there's something here. Aside from the product solving a huge problem, I, I believe that, you know, there's a, a correlation between the, you know, how big the problem solves. And when you when you solve a, a bread problem and make it low carb and actually taste good and have good texture, um, it made sense to me when when we started seeding people with product that the the sentiment was nearly 100% positive. So um, it, everything was tracking in the right direction. And I would say um, as no, you know, a few months progressed, summer 2018 hit, um, I would say that's pretty, pretty accurate as when, when I realized, all right, there's, there's really something here. And we started uh, gearing up for it. Something that I always like to do with my clients um, at, at the end of our brand workshops, we really like to define the brand in, in, in one word or two words, really kind of like crystallizing, you know, if you would, if you would describe the, the, what that brand stands for, and I call it the brand DNA, um, you know, like what, what would that be just in one word? What would, what would outer aisle be? Do you have any thoughts on that? If it's one or two words that basically describe the essence of your brand? 
Um, the essence of our brand, I would say pure, clean. Uh, yeah, uh, those are the two words that come to me, but those aren't, I think more of the product quality, you know, in that, probably not as much on the brand, Vasa, what would you say? Um, if, I, if I just choose one word uh, for Outer Isle, I, I'm going to stick with the running theme that I've gone with, um, and that's family. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think that's the one that's the common thread through it all. Um, from the interweavings of how the org is set up and the departments and, um, you know, how people are treated so great and, um, you know, the love and respect and even on the packaging below the allergens, it says love and kindness added. Um, mm -hmm. I think for me, for me, when I look at Outer Isle, when I read about the, the brand story, um, when I observe how, how things, you know, how Outer Isle operates when I'm, you know, looking from the inside and outside objectively. Um, family is that word. Family and health most probably, right? Yeah, a combination yeah. combination of the two. Um, Sean, do you, do, you have, do you have a piece of brand advice for founders as a takeaway um, now that you've, you, you went through, um, you know, starting, starting a company in, in your 50s, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's not easy um, to, to actually start doing a consumer product from scratch. Um, but, but, you know, definitely um, at this point in your life, you know, just to push for this and, and to say, this is, really, this is really what I want to do, which is so inspirational. Um, how did you, like, 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 are there any, Any things you learned where you say, you know what, this is this is something that I would I would like to share with other founders as a takeaway. I would say I I discounted how important the whole branding piece was, and um, I would say it it was huge, and I probably should have paid attention to it sooner. Um, but we were kind of bootstrapping it, and you know you don't have money to spend on marketing, much less the kind of money <clears throat> experts really charge for that. But I would say we we decided to just, you know, to do it. And, and it was the best thing we ever did. The other thing is we had, we kind of had, we had a group, which I liked. We had someone who was kind of best in class on voice. And they were the ones that really, helped us with the voice. How do we translate who we are mm. and what is that voice? And so we had someone work on voice, someone work on design. Vasa was working on social social media and integrating that component. So um, it was it was a group effort and it was a very focused effort for about six months. And it was probably the most important thing we did. Uh, for the company and the brand surrounding yourself with uh with a couple of experts in the niche and then and then working together on creating a creating something great um as a brand that that's fantastic i think that's that's super right super and, important. and i guess not just one person you know right. instead of hiring just one person but actually finding the best you know the best guy in voice the best guy with this and, yeah. and it was an agency you know so um vasa would you say that was true that that was an important time yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, voices, voice is definitely important. Got to be consistent with it after it's identified. Um, and that was definitely a, a, a strong investment and, and always is a strong investment is to, uh, to invest in that 
visual branding and, and, and voice branding as much as it is um, any other part. And it immediately stood out to me, right? That's why I quoted the website copy because it it, it comes mm-hmm. through really, really naturally and organically. No, no pun intended. But um, yeah, as as we slowly need to wrap up, um, listeners who fell in love with your brand just now, um, where can they get a slice of your non-bread bread? Um, is is it is it all over the U.S.? Is it only in California? Where can people pick it up? Um, Vasa, would we say store locator is the best way to go? But it is national. We're in should be in every Whole Foods. Um, we've just gone through a little bit of a hiccup there, but should be back on shelf. We had a UPC switch and um, that caused quite um, some issues out there. But I think we're pretty much back on shelf there at every Whole Foods in the country. So Whole Foods is our big national account. Um, but we've got a store locator that should get you to, you know, lots of independent natural stores. Online uh, at outeralgourmet.com. Uh, if you click find a store anywhere that's scanning outer aisle, you can filter by product, um, whatever you're interested in. You can also find us on Amazon um, by searching outer aisle or outer aisle gourmet. And then if you're in Canada, we actually service uh, D2C orders or e-commerce orders in Canada through Sweet and Sprouted, um, our Canadian partner there. So um, Google Sweet and Sprouted or uh, find at Sweet and Sprouted on Instagram and you can order our product and they'll deliver to you anywhere in Canada. Fantastic. Very, very good. Well, thank you both for having been on the show. Um, we really appreciate your time and your insights. This was, uh, this was really great. Thank you, Fabian. Enjoyed ha- being on the show. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Just what a lot of us needed after the Thanksgiving debauchery. Tons of inspiration to push forwards during this post and pre-holiday slump and perhaps a kick in our butts to eat more healthy. I hope you enjoyed our time together. If you have, please consider joining us at patreon.com slash hitting the mark. It is a very special community and I feel blessed to be a part of and to be mentoring on monthly calls. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited by Everett Barton and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by Happiness One. I will see you next time when we once again will be hitting the mark.